the dawn of the day and i'm crashed and i'm smashed as it is i'm feeling like my chips are cashed welcome one and all to backtracks errol smith revisited my name is Corey morissette joined as always by oh baby the sexiest man in podcasting scott haskin how you doing scott i like how you get all isaac hayes when you say my name oh That's awesome oh my are you were you trying to describe in your opening lyric a typical Friday night at the Haskin household? I think so. I think so. <laughs> I, I've heard about your legendary uh, get-togethers on Friday nights in Las Vegas. The the toast of the strip, I believe they call your apartment, don't they? Yeah, it's uh, you know closed by eight thirty p.m. and uh, all the geritol is served by <laughs> by seven. So it, it's not quite the uh, the Motley Crue uh, house on the uh, Sunset Strip in Vegas, uh, where they had uh, debaucherous parties every single night of the week. No, but it is an open bar. Oh, there you go. Nothing wrong with that. Not at all. All right, Corey. I'm doing all right. You know, as we record this, uh, obviously you're listening to this after the holiday season, and we both hope you had just the greatest holiday season that you possibly could. Uh, We're recording this on December 20th. I just finished my last shift of work of 2023. I don't go back until January 9th, 2024. So looking forward to getting caught up on some podcasts. Of course, we're going to check out all the great shows on the Deep Dive Podcast Network, which we'll tell you about at the end of the show. But um, uh, really, you know, we just did a Van Halen show. Uh, the song wasn't so great, but the conversation was fantastic. The guests were great. The chat uh, was fantastic. Looking forward to listening to a great Aerosmith tune here with you. We had a good one last week. Uh, we did uh, Train Kept a Rolling uh, with Sean McGinnity from the Sean Geek and Fast Red Podcast. Uh, great, great tune. Just didn't quite make uh, the the, the mixtape, but... Uh, uh, kind of a tough one to leave off because that's a, even though it's not an original Aerosmith song, it's one I associate especially with the band. Yeah, I mean it's 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 so tough, I and mean, the bar is set so high at this point. I think you know a couple of weeks ago we had to put Love in an Elevator on. I mean, how do you not? Um, but that just makes it even harder for any other song to get through. It's true. It's true. Uh, we're uh, just what a hundred some shows in. And, and we're already having a, a hell of a time. We're sorry, 95 shows in, and we're having a hell of a time, uh, you know, with the mixtape. And we still got over 100 to go. We're not even halfway done. So it, it's going to get a lot harder. Uh, one song um, we didn't have much of an issue with was Lay It Down uh, a couple of shows ago. Didn't put it on the mixtape. Uh, but uh, we did do a, a Twitter poll on that one. Scott, maybe let's uh, update the folks on that. Well, we did, Corey. And I, you know, I remember saying a long time ago before I became a co-host on the show that it would be really nice if there were three options, because I think it's not just a matter of whether it's it's good enough to be on the mixtape. It's like, yes, I like the song or no, I don't. But there's really a middle ground in there. So I added a third option. So we had for it, uh, if you wanted it on the tape, you put lay it on that tape. If you didn't want it on the tape, you would select dumpster fire, which, you know, <laughs> we kind of felt it was. Uh, but if you thought it was good, but just not better than what we had on the mixtape, I put a good but not better option. Here's what's really interesting about our poll this week. For lay it on that tape, we had 0%, Corey. Okay. Zero out of five votes, but for good, but not better, 
we were at 40%. So people right. liked the song, but didn't think it belonged. It, it was better than what we've got. And then, of course, the other 60% was dumpster fire. So the majority didn't like the song, but but yeah. 40%, like, and I, I know we were accused of being way too hard on the song. I believe our comments were, it's fine. Uh, it, it, it's stock. Uh, if I want to go back to one of my favorite uh, Lars Ulrich quotes. I think it's fucking stock. What? Which part of that is unclear to you? Yeah, like uh, they, they didn't elevate it. Like uh, they, they've done so much better ballads. And this one just kind of felt phoned in. Uh, but it's fine. Like I didn't hate it. Like I'd still rather listen to that than anything from a lot of bands that are out there today. Absolutely. But I agree. Uh, th- this band can do better, I think, was my point. Yeah, I and and especially at that point in their career. Yeah. Uh, you know, interestingly, there were no comments this week. Really? I think we've scared people off from commenting. So when I left the poll for our, our last week's show, which we'll get to, um, I put in there, if you differ from our view, please tell us why. Because mm-hmm. I want to understand what are people hearing that we're not hearing? Yes. And uh, you brought up Lars Ulrich. Um uh, hearts out to uh, Lars and his family. Lars' dad uh, just passed away, and uh, sure, that's really rough on him and and his family. I tell you, and he is responsible for some of my favorite quotes in any music documentary ever. I would say, delete that. <laughs> when he told <laughs> it's some kind of monster. When he told the Lars, to, uh, I would say, delete that. And then there was this one too. For for me, that doesn't cut it, you know. <laughs> I like that he, he he felt he could be so open and and not be like my kids in Metallica. Yeah. What what do I what am I going to say? <laughs> you know, I'd like that he was he had that relationship that he could be honest and say what he liked and didn't like and you know. Torben Ulrich is my spirit animal. He is yeah. because I fucking hate that record. <laughs> and, and the song Lars played him is absolute dog shit. And, and you watch in the video, Lars is playing it off the off the mixing desk, and he turns around, and Torben's just like stone faced, just looking at him, like, "You're gonna release this? Like, <laughs> fuck." He's my Patronus, if you're a Harry <laughs> Potter fan. Here you go. Uh, is this one that you guys are gonna cover on Ultimate Catalog Clash? Not this season, because uh, it came out in 2000. So had had uh, Kevin pick number three, we would have started with Saint Anger which is an album I don't listen to a lot of, so I'd be really interested to get into. Hopefully we do uh, later era Metallica on another season because uh, there, there's a lot there to go over. Like the new album I really like. I really like Death Magnetic, uh, which also came out in the 2000s. I really liked Hardwired quite a bit. Uh, but yeah, St. Anger, I don't know. It, it's, it, it, you know, to me, it's... I think it's fucking stock. What, which part of that is unclear to you? And if you disagree... You're just sitting here being a complete dick. Was he talking about his drum sound? <laughs> oh, it's atrocious. Absolutely I, atrocious know, like on the, the record. Yeah, that sound. I, I thought he sounded really good on the Black Album. I, yep. I attribute Bob Rock to that. And Justice for All is one of the worst mixed albums I've ever heard. Right. Um, but I don't I don't think they've recovered well after after Black. They they kind of went into a really weird. I mean, here's a band that could could get the best production in the world. Oh, the production on the I new albums is good. Uh, l- listen to 72 seasons listen to listen to death magnetic and hardwired all those are, are it. uh well uh, geez they're uh, not back to bob rock though. they're not back to bob rock bob rock's oh. last album was uh reload that's what i thought yeah. or sorry saint anger was his oh, last saint record anger, okay 
And then well, they worked with Rick thing. Rubin, I believe, on uh, oh. on Death Magnetic. Now, as this show is being recorded, the new season of Ultimate Catalog Clash has not started yet. And I know you guys are starting with the Black Album, but I people who are listening to this show will be able to hear already what you guys have said on the first couple episodes. Right. I haven't heard it yet because it hasn't come out, but I'm really anxious to hear, especially Kevin, because <laughs> this this isn't his wheelhouse. So much like it was interesting to hear your thoughts on Phil Collins era, early Genesis, the, the progressive stuff. I'm really curious to hear what Kevin has to say about Metallica. All I'll say is Kevin has surprised me quite a bit uh, in, in the shows we've recorded so far, and I'll leave it at that. Okay. All right, but uh, you did get a comment uh, on Lay It Down uh, from a listener. It didn't come on the Twitter poll. Uh, it, it came in another avenue. You want to tell us about that? Yeah, via email. Uh, Gonzo had some stuff to say. He gave us a little bit of background that we didn't know uh, on Lay It Down. Corey, would you like to read that? Sure. And, I uh, can't see. And hey, Gonzo, uh, thank you for listening. And uh, uh, th thank you for uh, reaching out and uh, helping us fill in the gaps because we're not Aerosmith historians. Uh, we were, we're just simple fans. So uh, th th this came from our friend Gons. Uh, Tyler, quote, since 1971, it's been my dream to take the guys to some house somewhere and write a record. And nothing's changed, so we decided to land in Maui, Joe and I and Marty, Marty Fredrickson, and we rented a beach house, and we used Pro Tools, and we just started flailing, and of course, what vibe would come out? Along with the beach party, Girls of Summer, the Maui sessions yielded four other tracks, including Lay It Down, which was originally titled Bad Enough and intended for the Spider-Man soundtrack, which Aerosmith features on that soundtrack, a cover of the Spider-Man theme, which we've covered on this show. Uh, then uh, Tyler says, quote, we submitted that, and they thought it was a great song, but not a hit single Aerosmith song. So we pulled it out and we redid, redid the verses and put a different chorus on it. And it came out, Lay It Down. Uh, it's just a good, easy listening song. Uh, I love it. It's real R&B, uh, unquote. The other three new tracks will turn up on the band's next album, which Aerosmith will be recording later uh, in the year. So uh, he's a big fan of it. Uh, gave it a good, uh, uh, you know, he says it's got a real R&B groove to it. Um, it is a, a, a good, easy listening song. To me, it just really wasn't an Aerosmith song. Yeah, I I just, I don't know. I just feel like they had something to work with and they just stopped. Yeah. You know, I I, I mean, it's it's subjective. Music is subjective and they're the ones that have to decide when a song's finished. That's, that's one thing on my other podcast, the Haskincast podcast, when I have artists on, I love to ask them, when is a song finished? And, you know, so many of them say when I, when I just feel like there's nothing else I can do with it or when, when there's, you know, when I've added too much and I have to start removing things or, you know, there's so many different things. And I feel like with a lot of the Aerosmith songs that have been kind of okay for me, I feel like they decided they were finished too early. Yeah. That's, I'm curious to see how everybody answers that question. Cause uh, I, I think back, I'm a film guy. Uh, by trade pretty much and uh, Stanley Kubrick had a great answer to that like a, a film is never finished merely abandoned so you got to have to get to the point where you abandon it because you could be working on that thing forever how many different versions of Star Wars have we had George Lucas is still tinkering with it right so mm -hmm. it, it's kind of that thing too I imagine you could just keep working on a song and working and working and working I want to fix this I want to take this out put it back in double this you, you could be fucking with it forever it's just at what point are you comfortable saying okay Good. We'll just get, you know, get it out in the world now. 
Yeah. And then even, even worse in music is on the, you have the side of songwriting and then you have the side of mixing. Right. And with film, you could also look at post-production and say, you know, the, the mixing, the dialogue and the sound effects and, and the music in, um, that's, that could be redone over and over and over again. And I certainly have issue with the way that that's done a lot of times because, you know, I'll be watching a mu movie and the volume's fine. And then all of a sudden they go to a different location and, and it's just like, I need to, to rip my headset off because it's just too loud. And, um, yeah, I definitely have issues with that, but it, it is difficult to say when something's done, but if it's ever going to get out there, you have to call it at some point. Yeah. And it's just, at what point are you comfortable calling it? So right. obviously uh, Stephen and the boys thought lay it down was, was good enough to put out there. They put it on the, on the, Oh yeah. Greatest hits compilation. And uh, uh, I've certainly heard worse, but I, I've heard the band do so much better. I think that's the thing for me is that when I, when I listen to a song and I don't, I don't hold everything in to the stuff that I think is their best all the time, but I know what they're capable of. And when I hear a song that just has so much potential and maybe the guitar solo wasn't that great, or there's, you know, it's a poor mix or whatever. I'm like, they're, they've done better than this. And it's hard for me to say, I like this song when I know that it could have been so much better. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. Uh, so that's, uh, we talked about lay it down. Obviously after that, we had love in an elevator, uh, which is a song that, you know, was pretty okay. Uh, it ended up on the mixtape. Uh, and then uh, we talked about train kept a rolling last week. Let's talk about what we could be potentially uh, talking about this week. And the yes. songs currently on our dice, which include the hop from done with mirrors, Pandora's box from get your wings, angel from permanent vacation, last child from rocks, come together and Chiquita from night in the ruts. Mr. Haskin, uh, if you got your pick, what would you hope to roll here tonight? I do. You know what? Ever since we talked about Come Together, I've been wanting to hear what Aerosmith did with that song. And maybe it's because I've lost a little faith in them lately. I Ooh. want to uh, I, I want to hear what they do with someone else's music. Let's let's hear Come Together. All right. Well, I would not be mad at that one at all. But uh, I'm kind of hoping for some rocks. I want to hear a little Brad Whitford, a uh, little stank. Uh, let, let's go a little last child here tonight. And put some stank on it. Yeah, that's what I'm in the mood for, baby. Yeah. <laughs> I love that we each picked one of each other's picks. To <laughs> that's right. Yeah, it, it's the holiday season uh, as we record this. So uh, what do you say? Let's throw it over to Steve and Tyler and let's get this uh, dice a rolling. Toss of the And we are going to come up with The Hop from Done With Mirrors. All right. I put this one on the dice. Uh, yes, you did, Corey. Why'd you do that? You know what? I wanted something a little different. Uh, you know, we had a lot of ballads lately. We had some rockers. And uh, I, I remember The Hop being a, a, a little different track from Done With Mirrors. Uh, I know a lot of people don't like this record. Uh, produced by Ted Templeman, who is a, you know, I love Ted Templeman because I, I do a Van Halen podcast. I love Van Halen. I love the work he did with, in the Dave era. Uh, and he also worked on uh, For Unlawful Carnal Knowledge, too. Uh, and there, there's some really good tunes on Done With Mirrors. I know Sheila's on there, and I know you're not a big fan of that. But um, the, the hop's a little different. And I, I'm hoping, uh, I'm hoping uh, here's a deep cut maybe Scott's going to like. Okay. Well, I mean, I, I've never heard the song, as far as I know. But when I hear the words, the hop, of course, my mind immediately goes back to the 50s. Right. You know, sock hop music, the song The Hop uh, that I'm familiar with. I'm sure it's not that. I can't imagine Aerosmith would have redone 
the song The Hop that I know. No, and it's not uh, Let's Go to the Hop. Uh, yeah. That, that old, like, uh, old 50 song, which I think was in American Graffiti, if I remember correctly. I'm not sure, but. I do believe Let's it Go to the Hop, oh baby. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty sure it's not that. This one is written by uh, every member of the band. Stephen Tyler, Tom Hamilton, Joey Kramer, Joe Perry, and Brad Whitford. So all five uh, getting a writing credit on this one. It's also the album Closer uh, from Done With Mirrors. So uh, this was a, 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 a Brad Whitford actually plays co-lead on this. I know we talked about him. Uh, he, he's upset that he gets labeled a, a, just a rhythm player. Uh, he's actually singled out as being a, a co-lead uh, on this one, but uh, going at your listings, uh, Scott, for uh, Done With Mirrors, uh, how many songs we've done? Probably, what, two, three, four, I want to say four songs off this one. Uh, how are you uh, rating this one so far? You'd be close. We've done five. Five, okay. Actually, this, this will be our sixth. Uh, this has been a, an okay album for me. Um, I really liked My Fist, Your Face. I hated Sheila. And everything else is just kind of okay with me that mm-hmm. we've done. Um so we'll see. I, I I always walk into a new song with optimism. So we'll see where this one goes. All right, let's get into it. This is The Hop from 1985's Done With Mirrors. Obviously, Stephen goes right away into the ladies' powder room. But uh, before that, uh, we had some really nice hi-hats there. And I know you're a drummer. Uh, you must have loved that intro. Well, I mean, Stephen Tyler is the uh, the Dave of Aerosmith. <laughs> there's going to be sex. There's going to be a girl. And there's going to be a room. That's just the way it's going to happen. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I do love that, that, um, that swing beat. My grandfather, uh, I remember, I can't remember what year, how old I was. I was probably 12 or, or 13 maybe and went over to his house for a weekend over Christmas break, brought my drums and um, I wanted to play Deep Purple records. I just gotten Shades of Deep Purple. I wanted to play Hush and, and the Address and songs like that. Uh, and the Address has got a lot of great snare work in it. And he wanted to teach me Benny Goodman. Oh, so. At the time, I was very resistant to it, mainly because I wanted to play Deep Purple. I didn't understand the swing beat, but God, I wish I had listened because I could have learned so much. This music is a lot of fun to play. And I'm getting a little bit of a set boogie opening to this. It's very reminiscent of that. Um, but yeah, it's got a great opening. It's fun when the music kicks in. It's just, it's just a feel-good song. Nice. Yeah. It's always nice to have a shuffle on an album. Yeah, it's a great shuffle. It's a song about kind of the nightlife uh, and having to boogie and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So uh, fun little ditty uh, so far. Yeah, and I got to say, I really like the guitar sound. Oh, yeah. Like uh, the production on this album, I think, is really good. Ted Templeman knows how to produce a record. and uh, For sure. Yeah. And I, I use that quote, uh, that lyric, uh, in an opening of a show not too long ago. If you remember, Joey's like a Pavlov's dog when he starts to salivate. A hardened man himself, it's hard to shake his rattlesnake. 
I do remember that. It's just, and I remember it's that. It's good that writing. I love that. Me. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> That's fantastic. You know, what, what I'm noticing though, tell me, do you think there's just a little bit too much reverb on Steven's voice? Yeah. It's like he's a little distant. Yeah. I, I, I think so. Yeah. Uh, I was going to maybe point that out too. He's, yeah. It, it, uh, I, I wasn't, I couldn't pinpoint it like you. Like it, there's definitely a little too much reverb on it though. The other thing, just from a production standpoint, is that, uh, you know, you know, I love the later Aerosmith sound, that big kick that just, you know, thumps me in the chest. But for a shuffle like this, you need a little bit more kick in the mix to drive it because you've got the drums and the bass are driving it, but you really need to push it a little bit. And I think it's just lacking. The, the kick sounds good, but it just isn't powerful enough. I'd say I always thought the the snare was more crucial uh, in a shuffle th than the kick, but I never really pinpointed that before. So that's, I'm going to be listening for that now. Yeah, well, and if you're doing a double shuffle, you're hitting them at the same where you're hitting two snares and one kick. Right. The kick is on the second hit, and you're hitting the hi hat and the snare twice. Uh, it's weird. And then there's the triple shuffle where you hit all three both times. Which only you can pull off, I'm sure. No, God, no. Oh. <laughs> I did when when um. I don't remember what it was. I had just covered a song on the Magicians podcast and, and Uriah Heep did a lot of shuffles. That was a big thing for them. And Lee Kerslake always played it the double shuffle. So uh, I was trying to explain it in a, in a, uh, in one of the podcasts. I thought, you know, I'll just do a video and I'll demonstrate it. And so I did my little, you know, crappy version of it. And the next day their drummer, Russell Gilbrook had put out an actual video of how to do a double <laughs> shuffle. And I thought I should just delete mine. Do you think he watched yours and said, well, I got to put one out now because Haskin fucking butchered it. Yeah, that could be. Okay. Uh, he, yeah, he's so good. I mean, the tempos he could play it at are just ridiculous, but it's always good to have a shuffle on an album. I think it's even better when it's an up-tempo shuffle ending the album. I think that's a really good note to end an album on. Yeah. And this is the album closer. So yeah. Very cool. Okay, lyrically, this is Steven Tyler at his best. Hanging at the shopping mall with a watchman full of sash, leaving your smile at the door because the kids be kicking ass. Yeah, I mean, it's there's some nonsensical parts in there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, totally. But it sounds cool. It does, but, it, but he's got a great flow. And I think that's the thing is even when he's not writing great lyrics, it's like he's just trying to find ways to make his flow work. I don't think he cares what he's saying. <laughs> he cares more about how he's saying it. And it's fantastic. And again, like I'm not hearing the kick. Uh, as prominently as you said, but that that snare—it's not a whipcrack snare, yeah. but but for a shuffle, I, I think it works pretty well. Well, and he's not playing the traditional shuffle. If he if he's playing it on the hi hat, I'm not hearing it. Yeah, I'm just hearing you know boom ba tap boom ba tap, which yeah. is one way to play it, but I'm not hearing that right part of the shuffle. So it's kind of a you know a half version, um, but I think it works for this song. I don't think you need it, but if you're going to play it that way, the drums need to push.
all those guitars are just smoking. Yeah, I mean, I love a solo that starts like that and does the repeat and morphs it into something else and repeats and then morphs it again. Those are some of my favorite solos with this style of music if it's going to be up-tempo. And man, do these guys know how to bring it. And I tell you, I, I love when, when Steven has like a good howl going and then Joe almost kind of does like a call and response with the guitar to, to yeah. Steven that kind of leads into his solo. Whatever they, they, they kind of build on top of each other it is just magic. And they did it really, really well here. And see, this is another song where I really feel like there's a real unity in the band and they're in the same room playing this. This is not overdubs. This isn't, you know, piecemeal <laughs> recording. This is they're in it together. Yeah, it's and you really kind of get that sense, right? There, there's like a camaraderie with, with the whole group, and yeah. it's almost like they're inviting the listener in in on it, which is an element I really enjoy. The only thing I'm not, I feel like we're missing is some something on the bass. I feel like the bass is is very uh, simplistic on this, and I would like maybe a couple of little runs up to a higher scale or something to just kind of add a little bit of of Tom in there. You know, that's a good point because Tom is usually good at putting in those little runs. Uh, yeah. right to lead into it yeah it, the, we haven't called out the bass yet usually we're like oh tom is fantastic here and yeah you know we're well, what are we at in the song here about a minute 36 right and yeah very little tom i usually say it before the song even starts and yeah <laughs> <laughs> well maybe as we keep going we'll get a little more tom hamilton for we'll you see. all right You want to talk about uh, nonsensical lyrics laying on her back tonight to watch the moon eclipse baby eating out tonight, but I just ain't leaving tips. Uh, I, I mean, what? <laughs> it sounds cool though. I don't it mind does, it. But, but again, it's like the flow listening to him. You're, you're, but this is the difference with, with me and a lot of people is I don't, typically hear the words i hear the the voice as an instrument mm -hmm. and that really came from just listening to Cirque du Soleil music listening to music from countries where i don't understand the language and i do a lot of that especially with film soundtracks um but yeah it's it's just got such a great feel to it that you kind of don't even care exactly what the story is yeah. but you know what i really liked in that last passage Corey, was i love the transition i love going back to that swing just on the hi-hat and then uh adding those snares in that were almost shotgun like because they weren't uh buried with other music uh i really liked that that whole section there but it felt like it slowed down a little bit at first did, did you feel that too yeah, it, yeah, I, you know, like not a complete stop or anything, but yeah, the momentum uh, yeah. definitely shifted there. A little bit jarring. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you on that one. Yeah, we have like one verse left, and they actually uh, name call their own band uh, in it, which I I always love when, when a band's going to actually call their own name in, in a verse. But here we go. <laughs> So y'all be y'all best watch out what you do and who you do it with because you'll be kicking ass tonight with the boys in Aerosmith. <laughs> and the guy that don't give no tip. <laughs> exactly. <laughs>
I love that the rest of the song is just them jamming and, and Steven on the harmonica, right? Like that's perfect. <laughs> it feels a little bit disconnected now to me though. You think so? Like I, I think that that, that really uh, loud snare roll just started a little bit too early before Steven was done with his phrasing. And it's kind of the harmonica is going in and out a little bit for me. Like the, the parts that, where he's just repeating are really loud and then it just kind of trails off a little bit. Um, so that's kind of weird. I did like the throwback though to you know calling them calling themselves out. I thought that was really nice. I was I was trying to think of when I had last heard that outside of a rap song. You know they do that in rap all the time. Right. But yeah. There was a song by I think it was, it was like Shakira and Beyonce or somebody. I know it was Shakira and I think the other one was Beyonce. And it was kind of like that where they introduced their themselves. that's a little hokey yeah i'm trying to think of an example in rock and i can't think of it offhand the only negative i had about that section was kind of the transition uh from from that verse uh into that because it kind of slowed down right now i can even see look on your face like oh what's this and and then then they kicked back into it and that transition was was really kind of weird it was but you know what was interesting it was consistent with what i felt the first time they did it so that that must have been strategic but i don't know why you would want to dip there i mean you know a shuffle should have that you know should just be pushing yeah uh my only thing about the harmonica is i wish it was louder like i bring it up in the mix a little bit like you said when he he goes on that snare roll that overpowers everything which i i love a good snare roll but it shouldn't be the most prominent thing at that section in the song especially if it's going to start early and override part of a, a solo performance. Yeah. I would I would like and I don't know what we have coming up yet, but I would have liked a little bit less harmonica, like do the harmonica and then do a guitar response. Yeah. Uh, like do a back and forth harmonica. Yeah. yeah that totally would have been cool. And, yeah. and maybe they will, I don't know, but we don't have much time. Well, let's find out. extended outro on that one i i don't like the fade out to end an album that's just me though but that's the hop from down with mirrors uh, i get it i get it ending an album with a fade is great because it makes you want more and it makes you either want to put on another aerosmith album or go back to side one and listen to this again it is kind of a strategic thing but what i don't like is that you had a short harmonica solo. You had a guitar solo that was just getting going and they end the song. Uh, I don't know. I, I feel like it kind of fell apart at the end. Me and too. It was maybe yeah. a little too much of the repetition. The diddly, diddly, diddly. You know, I, okay, we could have one instrument do that or maybe one call and response doing that. But, you know, for it to happen three times, I think is a little bit much. Um I, I wish they would have given it another maybe 30 seconds or so and given the guitars a little bit more room to shine. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of ended with a whimper, uh, unfortunately for me, but still a pretty cool tune. Uh, I yeah. I kind of dug it. Got good energy to it, except for the dips, but they they recovered well. 
yeah. from it from the dip. But it's um that could have been just a flaming hot song the whole time. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know what? Album ending tracks aren't usually concert songs. That's true. Yeah. That's that's one of the things I was thinking. I mean, I I feel like I said this would be a great stage song, but usually your your album enders they don't get played live. It's a shame because, like you said, take out a couple of the wonky things that, that kind of bug me in this one. This could have been a fun jam. Like, yeah. j- j- just jam on this for seven, eight minutes. It would have been great. And but and you could do that live. That's the yeah. thing is if you're if you're feeling hot, if the band's, you know, in sync with each other and you're having a good show, this is a song that you could bring out and just jam for a while and people would go nuts. You are absolutely correct. So now the conversation has to happen. Scott Haskin, The Hop. Uh, by Aerosmith from Done With Mirrors. Uh, I don't believe this was a single. Uh, maybe I should just look that up. I'm pretty sure it wasn't, though, uh, which means that it would have to go on the uh, deep cut side of the mixtape uh, if this is going to make it. Yeah, the only uh, singles from Done With Mirrors were Let The Music Do The Talk and Sheila, Darkness, and My Fist, Your Face. So this would have to go on side A, which currently includes the songs Heart's Done Time, Roadrunner, No More, No More, Girl Keeps Coming Apart, Bone to Bone, Coney Island Whitefish Boy, The Farm, Simaria, Rats in the Cellar, and Combination. Um, I'll go first because okay. I always make you go first. I, I really like The Hop. This is one of my favorite tunes off of Done With Mirrors. There's a couple wonky sections, though, that, that, that kind of take me out of the experience a little bit. A uh, couple of production uh, issues, maybe. Like you said, a lot of reverb on Steven. Uh, where's Tom? Not in the mix so much, right? Uh, I kind of miss that aspect, but I I dig the harmonic. I dig the groove. I dig the swing. Lyrics are a lot of fun, Um, but I'm I'm looking at the list on the deep cuts. I'm like, what the hell would I take off for the hop? And I don't know if I have anything Uh, because uh, everything I think on deep cuts right now, I think I like a little bit more than the hop. Um, Zimmeria, no, that's that's a really catchy tune. The farm, I think just, uh, you know, as a, uh, you know, what it means for the band. Uh, I think uh, aside from being a really cool tune, uh, same with Bone to Bone, which if I ever take off the mixtape, Kevin Brown's going to hunt me down and kill me. And he's only like three and a half hours away. Like uh, he could actually make it down here. So I'm not going to do true. that. Yeah. Right. So um, unless you can convince me otherwise, I'm going to say the hop is a good tune, uh, but not mixtape worthy. What do you think? Yeah, that's that's kind of where it falls for me. There's a lot of positives in this song. I, I really dig it, but I think it, it's another one kind of like, you know, what, what we talked about earlier in the show, that it just, it could have been a little bit better and they had the talent to make it better. I think they made a couple of poor choices with those dips in tempo and um, the the ending, I think it kind of fell apart for me. So I, I would say it, 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 it's a good song, but I don't think it holds up to what we've got there now. We've got nine pretty tough songs to to beat. Very true. Yeah, it's going to be tough for those uh, album cuts to knock off any one of those nine. So the hop, a uh, good tune. I'm glad we uh, rolled it here tonight. I had a lot of fun listening to it. Just not quite good enough to make it on the mixtape. Would you like the bright side of this, though, Corey? Sure. I liked it. And it kind of boosted the quality of this album for me. Mm. Because as I said, I had, you know, it's kind of a, a mixed bag, but this is one that I liked more than I didn't like it. And so, yeah, it's, uh, it helped my my album rating so far. This is one of those, and I go back to what Kevin Brown said to me doing the Genesis show where he rated the songs individually on, I, I can't remember what album, uh, I think it was uh, uh, Duke. 
and uh, the album didn't do very well. But he said as a whole, uh, he really, really enjoys it. And that's almost kind of how, how I felt about Done With Mirrors. When you're breaking apart every single song individually, there's a lot more cracks. And, and you could say, well, this isn't a good record, but listen to it front to back. It, it's actually a pretty good listen. Well, that's that's the thing is there's a difference. Okay, oh, I got a perfect analogy for this. So I just got new glasses today, right? Mm -hmm. This is the second pair, though, that I had to get because the first time I went in and I did the test and I'm like, yes, A is better than B and one's better than two and all that. And the glasses come in and I put them on and I can't see shit. Like, like it was so much more blurry. And there's a little bit of adjustment, but it was just like I couldn't even see the person in front of me. So... I go in and they're like, well, sometimes that happens because you're looking at the individual eyes. And then when they work together, they don't, you know, they don't always come together. I think this is exactly the same thing. You can say, I enjoy this album, but when you're doing a critical review, you're not listening as a casual, casual listener. You're listening and picking out things that you do and don't like and measuring those things. If you just listen to the album on the whole, you're not doing that. You're just giving it a nice casual listen. Right. So it's going to be, it's, it's going to be a completely different review. Uh, so far, I mean, I, I would say I don't really hate the album by any means. Um, other than Sheila, there was no song I really hated. Uh, the reason a dog was not great. Let the music do the talking was not great, but shame on you was good. The hop was good. I really liked my fist, your face. So it's kind of a middle of the road for me, but once we're done with the album, you know, I'll go back and listen to it again and, and see how well, I'll skip Sheila. Cause I'm never going to like that song. And, uh, you know, I'll, I'll see how I feel about the album because it's it's listening now as a casual listener instead of a, a critical listen. All right. Well, uh, before uh, we throw it back to you for the uh, podcast role, I got to put a song on the dice, don't I? You do. And you know what? I was thinking we haven't covered anything from uh, Draw the Line in a little bit. Oh, So I want to go back to, to Draw the Line. And I'm thinking, you know, I miss Tom Hamilton on this track. I'm going to go to a, a Tom Hamilton penned song along with Jack Douglas and Steven Tyler. Let's listen to, let's put Critical Mass on the dice for next week. So, ah. so uh, now we have what? One, two, three, uh, four, five. Actually, most of the songs are from the uh, the early era of, of Aerosmith. Uh, the only one that's kind of, you know, 80s past now would be uh, Angel from Permanent Vacation. But Critical Mass, draw the line. That joins Pandora's Box, Last Child, Come Together, and Chiquita kind of later stages Aerosmith. So uh, odds are uh, we got a good chance of rolling a, an early Aerosmith track for next week. Yes, we do. And I like that we've got a good hit on there. You know, we've got Angel. We've got a cover with Come Together. Uh, we've got a good variety on that dice right now. Yeah, uh, Last Child uh, wasn't a huge hit, but for Aerosmith fans, that one is very well uh, loved. Uh, big Brad Whitford song there. Uh, like I say, we, we got the big cover too. Like that's the, uh, the Beatles cover that they're kind of known for, Come Together. Uh, Chiquita, which I don't think I could pick out of a police lineup. Uh, if you you know, put a gun to my head and said, you know, hum the first few bars of Chiquita, I don't think I could do it. I haven't heard Night in the Ruts in forever. So I'm, I'm really hoping that there's no scenario that ends up with you having to do that. <laughs> well, I don't know if, if, if Gonzo uh, gets pissed off enough at me, he might show up at my house with a gun. And <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Hum Chiquita, motherfucker. Yeah. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess the question would be now is, is, uh, do people feel that we were too hard on today's song? I, yeah. I don't think, I think we were. No, we like the song. Yeah. 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 And I, I don't agree with putting a middle option uh, on our choices, but there is kind of a middle ground in that it's a good tune, but it's not pot, uh, not mixtape worthy. 
So there, there is that kind of natural middle ground already built in. And this is one of those songs where it's a good tune. Doesn't warrant inclusion on our mixtape though. Well, okay. Well, let me ask you because I, I, and it's not fair, Corey. And I, I apologize because I didn't consult you before doing that. Uh, do you not think we should do that? Do you think I should go back to the yes or no kind of thing? No, no. Uh, I, I think for our purposes, we need to kind of have a yes and no. I'm not a big fan of middle grounds, but this format naturally lends itself to having a middle ground because yeah, there's some songs. Yeah. There's some songs that are just good that, you know, just don't belong on. If you're only doing one mixtape with 18 Aerosmith songs, out of their entire catalog saying, this is what the band is, you know, you're leaving out a lot of good stuff. Yeah. Well, and, and with your other shows, it's usually a thumbs up or thumbs down situation. And here we're actually, the songs are kind of competing. Yeah. Yeah. Which you don't have on the other shows. That's why on this, this format, there is kind of a middle ground. So you can keep putting that option on there because I think it's fair. This is one of those tracks that it's a good song. Uh, I'm not going to skip it if it comes up on shuffle, but I don't think it belongs on uh, a, a mixtape that is designed to, you know, to give to somebody who's never heard the band say, listen, this is Aerosmith 18 songs on this tape, check it out front to back. I, I don't think this song belongs on there, but especially from done with mirrors. I think this is one of the better tracks on it. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, um, it, it's, it's such a different approach and I really like what we're doing here, but yeah, it does have to be looked at a little bit differently because there's really the, the competition with because I found the band to be so up and down. There's some songs that are just amazing and some songs that just I'm just baffled that the same members put out, you know, that it's it it has to have some kind of level of, of measurement. And it's not it's not just whether a song is good or is good or bad. It's does it belong on a tape to give to somebody that says, hey, I really am interested in, in checking out Aerosmith. They've got 800,000 compilation albums out. I don't know what to get. What do you suggest? And you just hand them this tape and go, here's what I suggest. Yeah. And side A is all about the songs you're not going to get on those compilation records because the, the, these are the album cuts, right? These aren't the singles. Yeah. So uh, I, I think side A has, you know, we have a lot bigger responsibility filling out side A than we do side B. I would agree with that. I, I mean, I think it's going to be hard enough to pick side B because they had so many great hits mm -hmm. to narrow down which is the best of the best. That's a challenge. Yeah. But to say deep cuts wise, these are the songs that really make the band who they are. That's a hard responsibility to, to meet. Absolutely. So join us next week when we attempt to do just that once again. But before we do that, Scott Askin, why don't you tell the folks about the Deep Dive Podcast Network? Well, I could do that, Corey. I could tell them about this show, but I could also tell them about Backtracks theme music, which you do with John Mariano. I could talk about And the Podcast Will Rock, which you do with Mark Kameyer. I could talk about the ultimate catalog clash now into the Metallica years with uh, Kevin Brown. But Kevin has his own shows, The Tom Petty Project. Seaside Pod Review that he does with his buddy Randy. I had Uriah Heap, the Magician's Podcast, waiting for uh, potential new material. They are uh, they announced this week that they are going to finally come back to North America. That's right. In uh, April, May, and part of June, I believe. They have not announced tour dates. That will happen January 8th. I believe this show comes out before that. So January 8th, keep, that, uh, keep your eyes on Uriah Heap and see where they're playing. Uh, they're playing with Saxon, so that should be an interesting tour. Uh, but back to the podcast list, we have Nate and John at the Deep Purple Podcast, The Simple Man at Skinnered Reconsidered, Terry T-Bone Mathley at T-Bone's Prime Cuts, 
Rye at Sabbath Bloody Podcast, Paul, Joe, and David at In the Lap of the Pods, who have sadly issued their last episode, as far as we know. Those guys are really creative. Maybe they'll come back with something else. I hope so. Uh, we have Andy and Matt at Hawk Binge, Eric and Jonathan at Maiden A to Z, Daniel and Josh at Diary of the Mad Men, the ultimate Aussie podcast, Ben and Sam at Universally Speaking, the Red Hot Chili Peppers podcast, George and Hattie at the Judas Priest cast, Clay and Ryan at North by South podcast, Greg and Jonathan at So Far, So Pod, So What, Quinn at And Volume for All, Sav, Nick, Steve, and Mark at the Rock Roulette podcast, Chaz and Greg at Regarding Lulu, Chaz and Schatz at Rush Rash, and Chaz and Wolfie at Regarding Roger, Roger Waters, that is. And we have some friends outside the Deep Dive podcast. As we heard last week, our good friend Sean McGinnity at the Sean Geek and Fast Fret podcast, Eric Senich at Booked on Rock, and we have Ken Knapsack at Pop Rock and Radio. Go to the website, guys, scotthaskin.com. Click on the Aerosmith podcast page. Scroll down to where this list and the links for all these shows are, and you can download Ken's app right from that link. And, of course, the treasure trove of Deep Dive podcasts, Out of Thunder. The recognized symbol of excellence in rock and roll podcasting. And, again, for all things Scott Haskin, the notable nudist, everyone's favorite leprechaun, go to scotthaskin.com. And check out all of his stuff there. But until next time, on behalf of Scott Haskin, my name is Corey Morissette. Thank you very much for listening. And as always, let's give the final word to Steven Tyler.